0: Well, as a continuation of talking about camps, somebody won, as a continuation of talking about camps and what we do as a church for camps, that's tonight as well. We have our ice cream chill off and our dessert auction and the proceeds from that go to support our ministry scholarship fund. And so it's a fun way and a great time of fellowship to be able to support camps and retreats and other ministries that our church does because we want to make it possible As much as possible for no one to have finances stand in the way of participating in the things of what we do. So hope you'll come back tonight and uh, join us for a great time of fellowship and also uh, be able to support the Ministry Scholarship Fund. Now you can always give to the Ministry Scholarship Fund, but you don't always get a pie when you do that. So that's why you should give to that tonight while you're there. So that's a fun thing to do. And of course this summer we've been talking about being the church. Not just coming to church. Or going to church, but being the church. What's the difference? What does it mean as as opposed to just that being something that's a part of your life, as as it should be? Instead, a way of life and so we want to be the church we've talked about over the summer of what it means to be the church that will pray for our partners those that we are in church with that we minister alongside we'll be praying for them that will advance the gospel that that's what a church is about it's about making the gospel known and the message of Jesus Christ known and we've talked about being present And not just church attendance, like I said, every time it's kind of silly to talk to people at church about church attendance, but we're talking about being present in people's lives, being the type of person that they can count on and do life with. We're going to see an example of that uh, today in an incredible way in Philippians. And then we've also talked about living in unity, uh, unified in purpose, unified in the vision and in the things that we're doing together. And so as we do that, uh, some of you are aware that we are, we are looking to do that better. And so one of the things that we're looking at here in just about five weeks, we're going to be changing our schedule. And so we'll have 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. The same thing will be happening at both hours. There will be worship and kids ministry at both hours. And we've also been talking about people getting connected in groups and we've talked about people finding a place to serve. I know we've had lots of people asking about that. So I'm just gonna start off letting you know, um, if you're unaware of anything I'm talking about and wanting to know more, I encourage you to sign up for one of our Model Connect groups, because that's where we have time To talk about some of the things that we're doing in more detail. Find out where you are in life. What we could do to best connect with you and minister to you as well. And uh, share about uh, what's happening with that schedule change and with all the things around it. But some of you have already heard that. Uh, We've already had about 10 of those groups. And so people are now asking the question, well how do I get going? How do I find a group? How do I find a place to serve? So we're making this real easy. Uh, On our app, there's a church, the Church Center app. uh, It has... Right at the top on events, you can see where it says, connect groups, lead or join and serve opportunities. You can get on that app and let us know that you're interested in either being in or or hosting a group, or you can let us know, hey, I'm interested in finding my place to serve. Now, if apps aren't your thing, we can go old school, okay? We've got uh, places that you can grab these cards around uh, the exits and you can sign up and drop those in the box. And that lets us know that you're interested in being in a group or you're finding that place to serve. What's going to happen when you fill one of these out is a staff member is going to contact you. And we just want to meet you where you are. Find out what's going on in your life, how we can minister best to you, uh, where you might be interested in serving, when you might be interested in serving, when a group might work for you, how a group could work for you. Um, We're not doing a one-size-fits-all, everybody come to this. We just want to talk with you. So if you're interested... And taking that next step, being involved in a group, finding a place to serve, living these things out together, that's what we want to do. And so this also will give us an, a, a, an opportunity to truly do life together in a lot of different ways. Because no matter where you are in life, there's something that I've found out is always happening. There's someone that is your example. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Who, like, who is your example right now? Who is it that you're modeling things after, that you're thinking things after. Who do you emulate? Who do you imitate? Who do you copy? Who do you let rub off on you? However you want to say it, there's always some influence in our life. And the the thing we need to be careful with, if we're not intentional about that influence, then anything might be getting in there. But when we're intentional about saying, well, who who am I letting be my example? Who is it that I'm following? Then we can find the right examples to follow in life. Because none of us are enough alone for us to be the greatest example for everybody. I mean, it's something that's very, very true. As Paul has been writing to the Philippians, kind of what we've gone through so far is he encourages the church to continue their good work. And he challenges them that as we're we're following the things of Christ and we're doing the good work, that God's always going to challenge us to take that next step and trust him even more and and go to the next level. And when we do that, there's going to be challenges. And how we face those challenges are going to be important. And so in the first part of chapter 2, he, he challenges them to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others more important than yourselves. And so that's a big challenge where we're going, wow, I'm, I'm supposed to take these next steps. But I do that not really for me, but in considering others more important than myself. And then he goes on and even takes it a step further, and he says, really, you're attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, which I don't know where you are, makes me kind of go, okay, well, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that because every time something like like that comes up, I'm always reminded of my shortcomings and my failures. And, And so it's hard sometimes if we've got this challenge to go, man, I need to put others first and I need to have the attitude of Christ. How do I do this? Well, how we do that is God also gives us one another. Now, Each one of us on our own are not enough for anybody. As a matter of fact, if I take the ultimate example in my life and my marriage to my wife, Julie, something that we talk about all the time, I'm so very thankful that God is the center of our marriage and that she has a relationship with Jesus because just to kind of sum it up, I can be a pretty good husband, but I'm a horrible God. And so if she tries to find everything she needs in life just from me, I, I can't be that. And the same thing is true with any relationship in life, period. But yet God still does give us one another, and we do life together, and we're an example to one another. Now, the truth about it is when we look at Jesus' example, it's always the perfect example. But when we begin to look at the example of others, sometimes we're going to find some things that are false. I've, I've shared with people before, I'm the fourth of four children. You know what that means? It means that sometimes I learned what not to do because I watched my older brothers and sisters and I realized, dude, I probably shouldn't do that. You know what else it means? Sometimes I learned how to just do those things differently so I didn't get caught because I was like, you didn't understand that you could do it this way and get caught. So sometimes you don't always get the best examples. And sometimes it's not always leading the same thing. So I understand that there is a certain shortcoming that goes with looking at any individual, but here's the truth of God's word. God has given us one another so that we can be an example for one another in living these things out. And what I've learned to do in my life is look at others and go, man, I wish I could be generous like that person. I wish I, I, wish I had that compassion. I wish I had that awareness. I wish I had that whatever and go, man, there's just some things about that person that I want. And yes, when I do look at some other people, I go, okay, there, there are some things that maybe I don't want to do or I don't learn. And I know the same thing happens with me. But God's given us one another to move forward, and that's where we come to this place today that Paul is challenging us to continue to live these things out, to take it to the next level, to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. And then he gives us a travel itinerary. In the middle of this book, it's kind of an odd stop, if you will. That he starts talking about, hold on, well, I'm gonna try to send Timothy over here, and then Epaphroditus came and did this, and it's like you've got all these things going, so what's he really saying? Well, let's pick this up. In verse 19, he says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests not those of Christ Jesus, but you know, that his, you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things are going with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. Since he's been longing for all of you and was distressed because he heard, you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this very reason, I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious." Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So, in essence, what's Paul saying? He's going, I'm telling you, all these challenges, continue to do the good work, consider others as better than yourself, take on the mind of Christ, and now I hope to send Timothy to you soon, and I'm sending Epaphroditus to you because what happens here is that these co-workers with Paul were the church personified. These men that he was sending to the church and hoped to send to the church, in essence, he's saying these are the church personified. This is how you actually see these things happen. These men are actually living it. These people are already doing it. So follow their example. He's not at all saying they're perfect people, but he's saying they have joined me in this mission. They've come alongside me. They've been a blessing to me. They've been a blessing to others, and I hope to send them to you because they're going to encourage you and help you take these next steps because you're gonna be able to see their faith in action. Who is your example? Who are the people that you're looking at? Who do you see faith in action? What are the things that you're learning from other people? Where intentionally are you allowing these influences to come into your life so that you can live these things out? So it's not just some lofty concept to think about, but it's actually life that we live. That's what he's saying in these verses. So we get these example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And here's what we can learn from them. The first thing that we see that Paul talks about specifically about Timothy is, man, look at this guy's character. My character matters. That's what I need to understand. My character matters. How do we know about Timothy's character? Paul says, because he's lived it with me. He's been on mission with me. He's walked with me. He's been beside me. And he over and over and over has demonstrated that he's one that puts others, in, that puts others first, that's not here for his own interest, that's here to carry out the gospel message. And so Paul goes on about his character saying, I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests. Not those of Jesus Christ, but you know his proven character because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. I love that. How do they know his character? Because they've seen it. They've lived it. It's taken time. You can decide today that you would like to be a person of character. And sometime years from now, you might achieve it. Because it's just not something you decide today to do and go, I am now a person of character. It's something that has to be tested with time. It's something that has to be proven. It's something that has to walk through a few trials. And the reason that I think this is so important is because you need to hear me on this. We're not gonna get it right all the time. And so one of the things that I'm just gonna go ahead and take my opinion and insert it in here, one of the things I think that Paul is saying here is, man, as I've lived life with Timothy, his character has proven right over and over and over again in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulties. You know, one of my tests For character in myself and for character in other people, it's the ability to make glorious mistakes. It's not about getting things perfect all the time, it's about how well you can make a mistake. Because a person with character can make a mistake and then they can go, I made a mistake. A person without character makes a mistake. And then begins to try to justify all the mistakes they make in their life, hiding behind things or doing this. You know, a person with character can stand up and go, man, something came out of my mouth that shouldn't. Something was said that was shouldn't. Something that was done that shouldn't have been done. A person with character not only can be sorry that they made a mistake, they can say these magic words. I was wrong. That's a person with character. So it's not about getting things right all the time. It's not about being on this this journey where you never make a mistake. I think what Paul's saying is Timothy continues to prove his character over and over and over again by the way that he lives his life, navigating these things in a godly way. Not always getting things perfect, but always putting the needs of others first and always trying to have the mind of Christ. You see, oftentimes when we look at other people and we try to judge character all we can see is what's going on on the outside but there's something that we all need to understand is that God's not looking just on the outside God knows the thoughts and the feelings and the things that are happening deep inside of us there are some very there are some very sly people in the world who can seem very concerned about other people but yet they've just been really skilled at becoming manipulative that's not a person of character A person of character is one who genuinely puts others first, who genuinely trusts the Lord, who's genuinely on message, not just when you strip everything away deep down inside, it's some personal gain that's there. And he's saying, man, Timothy's proven this over and over. And God sees our heart. God knows what's going on inside of here, not just what goes on outside. I love the example in the book of Samuel when Saul is looking at all of Jesse's children because God has revealed that the next king is going to come from here. And he's looking at all of them, and they look great. I mean, they look strong. They're smart. They're this. And here's how God replies to Samuel in that moment. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his stature because I've rejected him. Humans do not see What the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And that should challenge every one of us that it's not just the actions. It's my heart that needs to have character. Character comes from deep within and is proven over time. And I dare say it's proven through adversity at times. Everybody can seem to have character when things are going well. But the cream rises to the top sometimes in times of adversity. So who we hang around and who we allow to be an example in our life matters. Paul puts it pretty plain and simple in 1 Corinthians. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Meaning if you just spend all of your time in the wrong company all the time, it's eventually going to wear on you. And no matter what your morals are or your thoughts or your wishes, it's going to drag you down. You know, and another thing that reveals an attitude of the heart, the Proverbs tell us this, a contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. And for many people in here, you just got an image in your head because you've experienced this before. Is that somebody that may be sounding like they're doing good things, but really what they're doing is they're just kind of spreading this and putting this thought here and doing this thing and manipulating this over here and whatever. And it's really just all for personal gain. Character matters. It matters that we can live our lives in such a way that says, God, this is yours. And I'm just going to live for you, not trying to manipulate things to my own thoughts, feelings, or perceptions about things. And that's what he's saying that Timothy has exemplified over and over and over again. So not only does, not only does character matter, but character comes out in our compassion. My compassion matters. A, genu- a person of genuine character has a genuine compassion for people. Truly the ability to put others first. That's why Paul writes this in in Philippians in this passage we just read. He's talking about Epaphroditus and Epaphroditus got sick. Sick to the point of death. And here's what he says. He's been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard he was sick. So Epaphroditus is upset that he upset someone because he got sick. I mean, you know that person, right? I'm like, they're sick and they're like, okay, but don't worry about me. How are things going with so-and-so? Where's Oh, I'm so sorry I can't be. It's like, you're sick. It's okay to be sick. No, I just wish I wasn't a burden on anybody. And I w-. This is Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus gets sick. And we're not just saying he had a man cold, right? Okay, he was sick to the point of death. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate Somebody's listening to my man culture. It just kind of went Zoom right there over everybody else. Sick to the point of death. And in that moment, he's still worried because people are worried about him. And so that's why Paul says, I had to send him back because he was so concerned about you because you heard about the things he was going through. I sent him back because I wanted you to see that he was okay. And that's why he sent him back. So there's a compassion that's deep within Epaphroditus. He apparently was the man that when the church said, we need someone to take a gift and take care of Paul, he's like, man, I'm in, I'll serve, I'll do that. And so he takes off on this journey and he takes things to Paul and he, he delivers things, he ministers to them on behalf of the Philippian church. And then in doing so, he gets sick, sick to the point of death. And then Paul goes, man, you just need to go back to these people because Epaphroditus is so concerned that they're concerned about him. That's just a level of compassion that I long for in my life for others. In Ephesians, Paul puts it this way, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God forgave you in Christ. I mean, to me, it's one of these ultimate examples of truly always thinking about others' needs first. We read about that in the first part of chapter 2 and we see it personified in Epaphroditus. I'm concerned. I'm putting the needs of others first. Hey, Epaphroditus, you're sick, about to die. That's okay. How are things going in Philippi? I need to get back to those people. This is what's going on. And so a wonderful challenge of an example there. Are we genuinely moved and concerned for the needs and the lives of other people? That's compassion. Character. Are we truly motivated by the things of God and willing to follow God and to trust him in these things? And compassion, am I truly moved about someone else's needs? Or do my needs seem to always rise to the top, no matter how often I really want to do this? That's why I say it takes time to develop this. It has to be intentional because each one of us left to our own will default to ourselves. I will, you will. So it takes intentionality of saying, how do I learn to live like this? And so Paul says, here's how you do it. I hope to send you Timothy. I'm sending you Epaphroditus. Look at what they've done. Honor what they've done. Follow that example. And there's something I think that comes out just in the context of this whole story that we can begin to derive this truth from, which is why we're encouraging people to find a place to serve and find a place to connect and to be the church, not just to come to church. And it's this. My deepest relationships will be formed on mission with others. My deepest relationships will be informed. They'll be formed when I'm on mission with others, when I'm trying to accomplish things with other people. That's where we build that connect. And and not to lighten this point any, but you don't even have to get biblical on that. Just talk to a team who's trying to accomplish a goal of winning even a game. And they forge these relationships and they overcome adversity and they have difficult discussions at times about who needs to do what because they have a common goal. And they figure these things out and they come together to try to accomplish that goal. And when they achieve that goal, there's victory all around and there's things that go on. I mean, it, it's really a picture of, of a team. But in life, it's even further than that. And, you know, I shared this a while back. I don't like yard work. It's not, I'm, I'm allergic to earth. I think that's why I'm a Christian, Okay. So it's like anytime I go outside, I have to med up, I have to prepare, I got the nasal rinse and all this stuff. And so you, you deal with that. And so every time I have to mow my yard, I don't wake up and go, it's yard day, I'm excited. I just wake up and go, okay, I got to gear up for all these type of things. But a few weeks back, we did Serve Sunday, and I couldn't wait to work in somebody else's yard with a lot of people who are on the same mission. And I learned a lot about them because I got to be there side by side, and I'm hauling Bags of mulch and I'm trimming things and I've just got it all over me like this. And I'm like, oh, well, it'll be okay. But because I'm on mission with people, we're trying to accomplish something that serves someone else. It was a blast. My deepest relationships are going to be formed on mission with others. And so that's why Paul says, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Paul says this man was finding his joy in his life in his mission. And I now have such a deep connection with him because he was on mission and ministered to me. And I'm on a mission and got to minister to him. And Timothy's been on this mission. And, man, he's like a son to me. And they've forged this deep relationship because they were on mission together. And that's the joy of serving alongside people and trying to accomplish something that is great, greater than you. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. How are we supposed to do that? We get together. We work on things. How am I truly going to be able to encourage someone in their giftedness if I don't ever see them in a place where their giftedness is active? But if I'm doing things alongside with them, trying to accomplish the the mission of the church and to help them be like Christ, then I can continue to encourage them and go, man, you're, you're great at this. And you seem good. And I can learn from their example. And they can learn from my example. That's what church is supposed to be like. Paul, not Paul, Solomon in Ecclesiastes writes it pretty simply. He says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. And I think that just flies in the face of the individualistic mentality of our society, that I can be my own man and do it by myself and get this on my own. And and the wisest man in the world goes, no, 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 two are better than one. You don't want to do this by yourself. You don't have to do this by yourself. And you're going to get a lot more out of things when you learn to do those together with other people. And so that's why we can find our deepest relationships when we're on mission with others. Not just around others, but doing things to try to advance the gospel. So let me just put it like this. The fullness of life is gained by serving, not by sitting. And and so that's what we're really trying to center this whole thing around about being the church. I, I love the fact that people attend our church. I love the fact that people hear the gospel message. I love the fact that they want to be around other people. But if you really want to take that next step and go to that next level and get everything out of your faith that God wants you to have in your faith, then it's not going to just be sitting. It's going to be serving. It's going to be taking that step and saying, I'm going to to live my life in a way that says, how can I be a blessing to other people? And you realize that the more people are doing that, then the more blessing that we can be to more people. And life gets to be really incredible. The fullness of life is found in serving, not just in sitting. And I'll just say it this way. I do actually study and work the best that I know how to deliver the best and most encouraging and challenging messages that I can. But I promise you this, that I could deliver the perfect sermon. And it would come nowhere close to impacting your life as much as living out God's word ever will. Because you can sit and listen to me all day long, and I'll pray for you if you want to do that. But when you actually start trying to live this out, and better yet, when you start trying to live it out with others. And let me just tell you something. When you're living it out with others, it's messy. It's hard. It's inconvenient. But it's the fullness of life. And we begin to get in that place where we're putting others first and we're taking on the mind of Christ and we're being challenged and encouraged by others. And we're intentional about being influenced and about being an influence for other people. And then we become the church personified like Timothy and Epaphroditus become the church personified in this. Paul writes in Acts, in, in, in every way I've shown you that it's necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it's more blessed to give than receive. You see, oftentimes we hear that verse in the context of, well, i, I got to give money. But no, what he's saying is, look, it's necessary to help the weak by what laboring like this. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ because he said it's more blessed to give than receive. You're going to find the fullness of life as you learn to live it in service, in giving. That's where you're gonna have life to its fullest. And in Ephesians, this verse I think just drives it home better than anything else. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Created in Christ Jesus, everybody say it with me, for good works. We're created for good works. God made us to do good things. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared ahead of time for us to do. So I promise you from the bottom of my heart, as I talk to you today, encouraging you to find a place to get active, to serve, to give life back to someone else, I don't mean this to be rude. It's not because we need your help. It's because I want you to have life to the fullest. And that's a totally different motivation. Because you understand that, right? When you're that person like, oh gosh, you gotta do this because we just need you, we just need you, then you're like, okay, I'll come and do it. There's not a whole lot there, but when you understand that, man, I get to serve alongside because I'm finding the fullness of life in living this out, in considering others better than myself, in seeing their needs and trying to fill them and in taking on the attitude of Christ Jesus who laid down everything that he had so that we could have a relationship with him, that's when we begin to find the fullness of life. So I'll just close with this question. Who can I help live this out? That's where we we'll just wrap this up today. It's a simple question for all of us to answer. Who can I help live this out? I'm to just ask you to bow your heads for just a minute. Let's